I think love is one of those things or genuine like selflessness is one of those things that is very reciprocal. Um, mm. The more that you're also sharing it to others, that it may not be like a physical person that just kind of like comes and gives you like a massive hug or, you know, but internally because you've done something extremely selfless and loving to others, then it, it does come back to you. Hello everyone, welcome to the Experience Podcast. My name is Tejaswa or Tex and together you and I are going to have amazing conversations with amazing people and learn so much through our experiences. This is a listener supported podcast so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. Before we begin, I just wanted to thank everyone who has been supporting this podcast and my music journey. If you didn't know, I have just released a music album called Ikigai Part 1 Perception, and this was recently played on the BBC radio as well. You can head over to bit.ly slash textikigai or follow the link in the description to find out more. In today's episode, I can't wait to welcome Shesha Prabhu, we're going to be talking about what happiness might be and if we can find an equation to acquire that happiness. But first, let's take a deep breath and close our eyes and reflect on the word happiness. Maybe it's a feeling, a memory, a person, an environment or whatever else may come to mind. Keep this thought in mind, maybe write it down on a piece of paper, because we will come back to it later in the episode. If you're comfortable, we'd love to know what you thought of, so please do share with us in the comments below, or feel free to message us. Let's begin. So hello everyone, welcome back to the Experience Podcast. Today with us, we have Shesha Prabhu. Now Shesha Prabhu was a monk at the Bhaktivedanta Manor, but before that, he studied mathematics at City University London. I actually met Shesha Prabhu through this course we did online called The Science of Self-Realization, and I was emceeing it, but I was so nervous because I'd never emceed before. But one or two sessions later, every time I said, welcome back to The Science of Self-Realization course, I saw Shesha Prabhu's face light up, and that really comforted me, and I got more and more confident throughout. So Shesha Prabhu, I'm a big fan of yours, so it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. How are you, and what have you been up to, Prabhu? Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's so great to be on this and um, the whole podcast and the journey that you give everyone is so valuable. So super grateful to be here. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a nice uh, sunny morning. And yeah, just been um, on a lot of projects actually this weekend. So just uh, scoping out and thinking about the future of um, reaching out to people, of helping people and there's so many uh, different dynamics in which we can help people. So, yeah, it's been yeah. a fun weekend. <laughs> How it's been a fun been? weekend. No, I've been good. Yeah, I started my job last week. Um, and it's honestly so amazing. I, mean, I never felt that going to a job would feel this good. 
um, it feels like the people there really care and uh, it, it's really good. Yeah, and we do get the weekends off, which is <laughs> a bit of a shift <laughs> from university life, you know. But um, tell, tell us about, um, you know, obviously during the week you have um, what you call a nine to five job. Yeah. Right, uh, but you are also doing projects on the weekends. You said, and I know you've been quite busy with those things. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I think life has to be a mix of like having your duties. Like you know, we have our mm. duties to our family, we have mm. our duties um, to the country, to our countrymen, um, mm. all of these, and that usually is summed up in like a job and things that sometimes we are aligned to and sometimes we just kind of do the need for, isn't it? Like, you mm. know, some aspects of both of our jobs we might not like, but um, we kind of carry on because we know that it's our duty. Um, and alongside that, I think we also need to do things that we genuinely actually want to do, that we will push ourselves to do, that it's not like a chore or anything like that. It's just something mm. that you genuinely want to contribute to the world or to others. Um, so yeah, there's many different projects that um, a few of our friends circle somehow we got into and we kind of just take initiatives like spiritual education, mm. um, different charity causes, and yeah, just trying to help people for a specific need for a specific offering. And I think the more we have these two kind of train tracks um, mm. of our duties and the things we genuinely want to contribute, um, they kind of feed into each other so that, you know, you get energized from what you want to do. And then mm. that energizes you more to do your duties. And then you do your duties and you're like, actually, I've learned X, Y, and Z in the professional field, which I can use to, you know, in contributions as well. So, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I think, yeah, you're, you're right. It's a positive mindset feedback loop in some sense. And uh, thank you for sharing that because it took me years and years to understand that um yeah because i was always the kid who said oh i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that the stereotypical way but then at the end of uni life i was like okay i still don't know what to do actually i think i know what i want to do long term but i don't know how to get there because so right now with these podcasts and the music and stuff i can't really make a living off of it yet mm -hmm. um and but you're right you know there's a there's a there's a balance but also it feeds into each other which i think is amazing yeah 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 so um you do in your in your nine to five on the weekdays you do a lot of data related things is that right yeah kind of so data and, and strategy for different companies data and strategy yeah so is it safe to say that you know the maths that you learned at uni life is coming to be helpful or yeah you know the funny thing is so i i studied maths and um finance at university Mm -hmm. And after that, you know, the standard kind of jobs are there like accountants or investments. Um, and for some reason, I always try to stay away from finance. But I don't know if it's my karma or what it is, but somehow mm -hmm. I just get, kept getting thrown into the financial aspects of projects or of um, different jobs and stuff like that. And um, every time I tried to kind of run away from it, somehow, even if I had a job that was completely different, um, there would be an aspect where the manager would just say like, oh, can you help out with the finances because of your degree? <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, more than just having that as a degree, <clears throat> just the mindset that it kind of forms for you, that, you know, you're, you're proactively looking at different problems, you're proactively, you know, seeking different solutions. And I think that's mm. what the degree really 
unleashed for me. I think I had it before, but yeah. even like it gave me a even deeper hunger for that. Um, and that mindset then, I guess many people have it, but really honing into that, really, you know, going deeper into that and having that as an offering in your job or in your, um, yeah, whatever your, your professional duties are, it really mm. helped me. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. Um, it, it helps me have like a side of my mind that, you know, pays attention to detail, tries to like exceed and go beyond what, you know, a client or a company may need. So yeah, it definitely did um, aid me in that. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that because um, I was actually having a conversation with a couple of other people on the podcast as well. And we were talking about pretty much the same thing where we felt before we joined uni, we thought we'd learn X, Y, and Z. But throughout the degree, we never ended up learning X, Y, and Z, but we ended up learning A, B, and C, which turned out to be a lot more important in life yeah. than X, Y, Z, and uh, X, Y, and Z did. So no, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that people who, who graduated even a while back and, and people who will be graduating in the future, hopefully will have a similar vision towards this because there's always that sort of gap between your expectations and what the reality will be so thank yeah. you for sharing that so tell us a little bit about your early life and how you ended up even doing maths at city yeah um so i i've always been in watford i was born and brought up in watford um mm -hmm. had like good education i think when i was um yeah when i was thinking about university i wasn't quite clear what to go for um, I was interested in like psychology. I was pretty good at maths just by default somehow. Like I, it wasn't, you know, one of those subjects that you really try at and you're still bad at like French or <laughs> for me, I was like terrible at French, but, wow. um, but like, uh, maths, I don't know, something just clicked there. I had like mm -hmm. this interest of like, okay, I understand equations. Even if you saw my notes, um, even now to this day. I don't really write in sentences or like, you know, like brief phrases or anything. I just make little equations. And to me, it makes sense to mm. anyone else. They're like, what's this guy doing? Like, is he doing his past <laughs> homework still or something yeah. like that? Um, yeah. So yeah, somehow in sick form, um, it just kind of spoke out to me that like, you're naturally understand maths, you're, you're naturally like good at it. So maybe it's an, an area to look into. Um, my mother was also like, she was like, yeah, why don't you just get a good job in like finance or, you know, then I can retire early. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so some aspects of it interested me. And I think mm. from an early age, I realized that also it would, it would help me in many areas, not just problem solving, but like any area of business to make it sustainable, to make it um, progressive, the financial side has to be down of it. Um, mm. yeah. So all of these areas, and then I kind of, yeah, I, I went to a lot of open days. I kind of spoke to a lot of people. And from that, it made it quite obvious to me that actually, yeah, this is something that I want to go for. Um, I think you may have also many people experienced this as well. Like before you're going into university, you really don't know what you're going into. Like you're just like, <laughs> this is one, like I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but I, now I look back on it and I think actually that one decision of making a decision towards it, certain course for the rest of our lives like that's that you know people kind of just see that in your cv or on your linkedin and they're like oh he's this he's got this skill set yeah, yeah. so it really kind of 
um, opens you up to certain opportunities or kind of pigeonholes people's yeah. perspective of you and like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just a natural kind of, I clicked with the subject. Mm. Um, I understood it's important. I didn't, I wasn't so bothered about the money side of it because I know many people think, oh, finance, you'll get a good salary, you'll do well. Um, but I think because of my upbringing, I kind of had somewhat an, an indifference to money. Like, no, I didn't have aversion. I wasn't like scared of it or fearful of it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't also like majorly attracted in to the extent that I was greedy for it. Mm. But I just had like a good life where I was just like, okay, you can utilize money. It's good to have some, make the most of what you have kind of, I had that kind of mindset. So it was more that attraction towards uh, problem solving that really. Problem solving. Yeah, that really hit me off towards like, okay, let's just go for this. And I thought the worst comes to worst. If I don't like it, just do a master's yeah. in something else. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because you talked about, you know, you the way I the way I saw it was that you wanted to use money as a tool rather than have it as an end goal, you know, which is yeah. interesting and honestly should be the way we utilize money. Um, and you also did finance at university, but you also said previously that somehow or the other you were drawn away from finance. How did that happen? Um, yeah, so after university, actually, so mm -hmm. um, I think it's, so, you know, sometimes you learn a subject or you do a certain habit so much that you yourself kind of get sick of it, you know, <laughs> like okay, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. that cook so much, sometimes they, they're just like, oh, I don't want to eat my own food, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, just at that early stage of coming out of university, I kind of was like, okay, I'm applying for different roles and finance and different things like that. But internally within me, I was just like, I want to do something different. I want to explore something different. I want, I had this kind of side to me that just likes learning. And I just mm -hmm. um, really like, like kind of mastering a certain skill set, learning it for a bit, apply it, and then boom, move on to the next thing. I don't like just being in, you know, just you've got one zone. This is what you're going to do for the next 20 years or 30 years or whatever like that. I really like like just having that shift, learning from it, you've got the experience, then the next step of your life, you still got your pre previous experience, but you're in a different phase and you're progressing really yeah. in a dynamic and rapid way, you know? Yeah. Wow. So it's more like a project based sort of lifestyle where you take on one yeah. and learn from it. And then it ends up compounding as well. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think for some people, like they like everyone's got different personalities. So some <clears> people <throat> really enjoy having something repetitive, having mm. something that's just like very stable um and i felt like for myself okay i like aspects of that but at the same time i just like having like a lot of experiences in life so i thought whilst i'm you know i'm in my 20s why not just go for it and just like go for it try different things otherwise i i felt for myself i would regret that so that's why mm. i thought okay i can always go back to finance but yeah. let me just explore what else is there and let me just go for it you know not yeah. hold myself back. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Speaking of trying out different things, Prabhu, yeah. you don't have to answer this question, but what was your university life like? So did you, you know, live the freshers life or was it something different for you? And how did that sort of progress as you grew up, even at uni? You, you did four years, right? And, uh, mine was three years, yeah. Three, three years. years, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how did you progress over the three years? If Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
actually so my university experience is very different because um a lot of like the norms of like what people go through in university mm. like pressures going out mm. socializing mm. everything like that mm. um i actually did that before university so oh, wow. when i was at sixth form um yeah. was like our main time when we did that so we kind of got that out of our system and i was just like okay what else is out there you know um i've experienced you know going out i've experienced clubbing i've experienced you know, going to nice restaurants. Um, a lot of my cousins were a few years older than me as well. Right. So like we were going to all these nice places and like the VIP sections and stuff like that. And I was just like, uh, like, you know, it's okay. And you could kind of like very early I could see through it. So I was, I was, even though it's not like the most amazing experience, but I was grateful I had that because yeah, yeah. otherwise at university, I would have just, I felt like I would have wasted so much time just chasing that or, exploring that um so yeah when i was at university um i was meant to move into halls the first year um and i'd applied and the first halls were just way too expensive in london right so i was just right. like no and then they came back to me with another set of halls which were in budget um which i didn't expect them to go out their way and do that um and i remember just before i was going in um one of our good friends nanda gopa um <laughs> So I messaged him and I was really un unsure. There was a part of me that was just really unsure if I should do this, if I needed to get it out of my system, if I should do this. Um, and I'm kind of like a bit of a particular person. Like I like cleanliness. I like things mm. in its proper place. I like creative environments and like, you know, shift the room to make it help you buzz and think. Um, and I was just sitting there and I remember like four hours before I was meant to move in, I just like, I don't know if I'll be able to do this because the accommodation they then gave me was like shared facilities. And I was just like, what if the other person's not clean or, you know, this and that. And I remember I messaged Nanda Gopa um, and I won't say exactly what he said, <laughs> but <laughs> essentially he said, yeah, you're going to flop in life and we won't be friends. And, oh, wow. um, and I remember like, I, I, so I, I messaged a couple of people. And some of them were really supportive and nice. And he basically just gave the blunt reality of what could happen. Um, and even though the other messages were important and nice and very supportive, I think because of his message, it really made me think like, okay, it's one decision, but the trajectory that it may lead you on to yeah. is so uncertain. And I felt like a lot of internally within me, I felt like, was kind of churning up that don't you don't really need to do this and you don't really want to you have a lot more reservations rather than going forward for it um and yeah I think I'm really grateful for his friendship because it's it's just that bluntness really awoken like what was already inside of me what decision I had already made but was kind of shying off from um yeah so yeah at uni I didn't really like I didn't go clubbing so much or anything like that. That was already out of my system. Um, I had a really different uni experience. Like I had friends and everything like that. But um, yeah, we we tried to set up like a lot of like events and um, like the Casey Sock that um, how we met and a lot of events based on that and other charities. And it kind of just opened me up to a whole side of like, okay, you're this age, but 
just think really mature and like think like as if you're five years beyond you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah it was a very 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 different experience for me <laughs> so i i just want to confirm what what he said was the question you asked him was it regarding moving into halls and yeah, therefore yeah. being okay wow yeah wow. yeah it was specifically so i i did specifically say like okay i'm moving into this type of halls it's in this area what do you think i've got some reservations and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and i don't so it wasn't in like a in a bad way or anything like that but he just gave like the potential of what could happen as a worst case scenario you know and yeah i think i really now looking back on it sometimes in the moment you're thinking like why is someone saying that or is this <laughs> person really my friend or something like that yeah looking back on it i think someone had to say that um and if it was someone else i don't know if i would listen um he was the right person to say it to me at the right time hmm. <laughs> by the way for people listening in um that doesn't mean you should not move into halls yeah um, <laughs> and then just to clarify i think in, in this particular situation it's um moving into that particular accommodation with the particular mindset and the reservations that Shesha Prabhu had, uh, would it be beneficial to actually move in or, you know, stay in a different location? Um, yeah. is, is that right, Prabhu? Is that okay? Is, was that yeah, okay yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think also giving some context to it rather than just <laughs> okay. a message as well was that for, I think, about five or six years before that, we had known each other um, he was giving mm. me a lot of guidance. So he knew my personality, he knew my situation, um, and he knew very honestly what my reservations were. So, mm. um, yeah, moving in, like, in my third year, I moved into a house anyway with some friends, okay. um, mm. some some uh, spiritual friends that we had. So I think the experience I would definitely recommend because even though university like you're on your own feet until then like your parents are you know helping you with decisions money everything like that and university is the first time that you have to think for yourself you know how to time manage how to you know what to get involved with who to get mm. involved with. Mm. Um, so it definitely aids and fastens up like maturing in life um and i think when i moved out into a house with some some spiritual friends then it was like really different because then you're thinking about like the finances for a house, the equipment that you need and the the level of um, growing up that you get from that experience is, is really transformative, you know? Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I no, Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being so open about it. So mine was um, slightly different from yours, but I think it converged into the same um, outcome as, as yours, uh, which I'm very, very honestly, very grateful for. So yeah. my university life was, you know, going out, clubbing, drinking loads and all of that stuff and some other stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it, it, it was a bit, it was really confusing for me because, you know, culturally I, I come from Delhi, you know, I grew up majority of my life in Delhi. Um, so the way we live our life there versus the way people were living their lives here was already so different, but I had already been in the UK for two years before I started uni, you know, so I went to high school and things were obviously, because it's a boarding school, it's kind of restricted. Like you can't go all out like people do at university. So I said, you know what, 
let's just try it out. And when I asked people also, how do you actually make friends at uni? They said, go clubbing. Yeah, this is the yeah. advice that was given to me by a lot of people, go clubbing. And I said, okay, I don't really enjoy clubbing, but I'll do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So freshers and uh, loads of drinking, everyone's drinking. So you're like, okay, I'll drink a little bit. Then they're like, have some more, have some more, have some yeah. more. And um, do these other things and this and that. And um, I was in a, I was in a very um, puzzled state because deep down, I felt like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it feels like, yeah, I need yeah. to do it in order to be around people. Yeah. Um, and that's why my entire first year was so bad for me. Like just mentally, I was just not in a great position. Like yeah. so many bad decisions. And even academically, I was just not doing great. Um, saying that I have zero regrets because I learned, looking back, I learned so much about myself mm. that you know, it's through these sort of downfalls, I'd say, that we learn. It's like a, you're forced to learn something about yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful that that happened. And I think in second year, I toned it down quite a lot. So I didn't, I think there was one episode where uh, freshers of second year, we were um, taking our freshers out to a couple of places. And I was the one who got, you know, intoxicated, like to an amount where, it was not great. Um, and that point I noticed, wow, I'd never want to be in this position again because yeah. I feel like deep down, I'm the kind of person who wants to take care of people and who wants to be, you know, the, the responsible one and lead people in the right direction. But if mm -hmm. I'm the one who's going in the other direction, that's not a really good thing to do. I think that was the time I made a decision that, okay, you know, if I do drink, I won't drink to this massive amount, you know? Mm -hmm. And then eventually in second year, I met some beautiful souls that led me to sort of help me just be myself, honestly, you know? And uh, when I met these people, they were just themselves. And I felt like, wow, I mean, I can just talk to these people, you know, about some really deep things. And this is the kind of friendship I want. This is the kind of relationships I want to form. Yeah. And um, that sort of helped me in third year find Casey Sark because the same friends were like, you know, you really enjoy having these deep conversations. Why don't you join Casey Sark? And I said, anything to do with religion? No way. <laughs> I said, but it's not religion. It's just, you know, a couple of us, you know, talking about some really deep things that dives into spirituality. And I said, you yeah. know what, fine, I'll give it a shot. So I went and I never left. Wow. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things that happened to me. So shout out to Casey Sock and Pound of Senna. Because yeah. literally it's for a life less ordinary if you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, you know. Um, and I was the sort of relationships I formed thereafter were very conscious. And the decisions I made in life were very conscious. And eventually, like, you know, I became vegetarian, which I think was also one of the biggest, most amazing decisions I've made in my life. And even with alcohol, like I don't drink anymore. Yeah. You know, and there are these small, small, small things that at the time you're like, wait, that's such a big deal. Like, why would you yeah. give up something like this? But when you spend more time with yourself in a more conscious way and you start being more mindful and, you know, you want to be a certain way right now or in the future, there are certain things you need to do right now in order to get to that place. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I don't know, nobody even forced me to, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. And, um, I think Shesha Prabhu, you and I were both fortunate to have Nanda Prabhu 
enter our yeah, lives, yeah. you know. Um, and I've only known him, for, I've known him for less than a year, but I look up to him and I relate to him so much that anytime I need any sort of guidance, like you, um, I just send him a text. I'm like, hey, <laughs> are you well probably like, what do I do, you know? And uh, I, think, I think this podcast even, I, I went up to him and I said, I don't know if I should start this. And he said, give me reasons. And I gave him reasons. He said, you have given me zero reasons why you should not start this podcast. So Nanda probably if you're listening to this, hurry both. <laughs> um, no, great. So, so it's safe to say for you probably that you had already started your spiritual journey a little bit earlier. Is that right? From before university life? Yeah, so when we were, actually, um, since I was a kid, I was going to the Bhaktivedanta Manor. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, my parents were um, taking me there. And then when I was, I think, maybe like eight or so, um, we went into, um, it's like a kind of like a Sunday school kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So they have like what's called Krishna Club there. So it's just for little kids um, at a certain age can go there and you just you know you learn some of the prayers you learn some of like the basics of philosophy mm. um and so yeah there was like you know a few of us were going going to that and um even now like we're some of the friends that i had from that time are still like my closest friends now and we still like you know we're still going to the manor and everything like that so we had this like really good upbringing then when mm. in our teens um as everyone does they try and rebel and you know do different things in life um so we were all going through like the same phases going out different things like that but because of our early kind of upbringing the culture that our parents had instilled within us we still had this spiritual side of us and we were still like mm. you know we still had like gratitude to the manner and um everything that we had received from a young age but um yeah we started going to um some of the pandrasena events called um, mm. jammings so jammings. These were, yeah they were called jammings so in harrow they had um a hall there and i think it was either every two weeks or so that they would have an event there um just on different like different topics and it was very interactive um similar to casey sort but for i guess a younger age and um yeah we started going to those and we were still like going out and doing you know whatever we wanted but we had this like place that we felt you know, we're part of a community, we're part of like a group, you're accepted into a place. And I think at the time, Nanda Gopapuru was, he was heading it up. He was the chair, I think. So that's oh, how like a lot of us, like we really, you know, admired him. We really looked up to him and we really opened up to him. Um, and from there, like, yeah, we, we got like engaged in different um, services and different things that were going on, different projects. Um, and I think that side by side with us, just, you know, doing what we needed to just let out in life in terms of like going out and stuff like that. Um, Cause we were doing both of them at that time. Mm. Um, it kind of helped us detach from all those kind of the, the usual kind of material activities that people get so engrossed into, so addicted to, or so like mm. overcome by. Um, mm. So yeah, we got, we were fortunate. We got like a little glimpse into all of that. And then quickly we could kind of let go of it. And we had something else to attach onto that was way funner. Like, I, I, I know you must have experienced as well, like at Casey's, so there's like so many things that now I look back on and I'm like, 
who in their like 19s and 20s <laughs> ever get these opportunities like it's just like it's, it's mind-boggling i remember at like the age of i think it was like 17 or something like that we just started like um we were part of a team that took the youth abroad um okay and you know we were doing retreats that were like 40 50k um and you know, you're yourself are responsible for like a hundred other youths. And I was like, where on earth would this happen? But it's the most incredible experience. And it was just like, it just automatically makes you think like five years more mature than where you're at. Yeah. 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 For sure. And uh, yeah, alongside that, like we, like you just very easily get into the crowds of the generation who are above you because they see that you're taking responsibility you're taking it serious. So you're just, you know, you have a platform to have a conversation with them and really get their support, their guidance, their experience, um, everything like that. So yeah, somehow like a mix of all of that um, from a young age, we even, like I was saying, even now, um, I, like many of those that I went to the manor with from a young age are still my closest friends. Um, and yeah, it's just somehow life has just evolved bit by bit but spirituality was always there. But I think university was the time where mm. it kind of took a real shift for me. Just because you're so independent, you're so, you know, you've got time and everything in your hands. You can allocate your, you know, your energy where you want it to be. Um, and many things going alongside that, that was a turning point. <laughs> this, this is amazing. And you sharing all of this is making me reflect so hard on the on the two years that not even two years that i was in kz sock because i joined around november of my third year and we went for weekly sessions and you know um one of one of our beautiful souls shivani sharma i don't know if you know her but yeah, she yeah. sort of led the she led our gita classes and we formed this beautiful family-like relationship amongst yeah. all of us it was it was honestly so beautiful and it is beautiful because we're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to Shivani. But um, <laughs> I remember, you know, that would happen for a couple of months. Then the day retreat happened at the manor. And that was the first time I properly went to the manor. And we did some services there. We learned more about meditation. We learned more about cow care. And, you know, we were, yeah. it was, it was so, it was so much fun, but intellectually so amazing. And I had never felt so complete before in my life and i that was i think the time i knew i really want to get deeper into this and that day i was asked to become the president for next year and i said are you kidding me i know nothing about casey and you know what is going are you joking they're like no 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 we really think you can do this i said okay fine um and then we also got um my co-president involved and she's also this amazing beautiful soul that you know when, when we work together really uh, really did wonders and uh, we both became presidents and you're right you know the responsibility side of things made us grow so much older mentally yeah. um, than what we would have otherwise and then leading on from Casey Sock, Pond of Santa obviously is the is the umbrella you know and when they notice you're doing things they want to get you even more involved and you don't realize it but you start getting really involved in a lot of things before <laughs> you know it and the growth that happens in that is mind-blowing like i've never seen that much growth in such a short amount of time 
on a personal level and even looking at people around who are more involved now. So definitely, I think it's such a such an amazing experience um, to so anybody who's still at university and you know you're listening to this and you have a KC sock in your university, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. It honestly changed my life. So and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So probably let's talk about um, you going from university to the manor as a as a monk. So yeah. it happened right after university. What was that like? Yeah. So um, I think in my final year, like you know, as everyone does, they kind of apply for jobs, thinking about what's the next step. Even at that point, I don't think anyone really knows. Um, mm. And fortunately, because of actually because of the Pandavasena and the links there, um, I knew many people that had either gone into jobs or just graduated and gone into jobs um, a year before me. And they were in jobs that they really didn't like. Um, mm. They were living a life that, you know, they were thinking, how do I get out of this? Many people were stuck. Um, so that kind of awoken me that like, okay, there's many of my friends and me that are struggling to get a job or are thinking, should I just settle down for something else? Um, and I felt like that's not really what I want in life like you know I want to have a happy life I want to you know I want to you know go forward and thrive you know um so yeah I was kind of weighing up different opportunities and fortunately in my I think my last year I was living out with a lot of spiritual friends that I had and we had some monks from the manor that were coming um so that was like really incredible each week they would come to our our um, house in Camden and they would give like different discussions, um, different like small talks and just kind of catch up with us as well. Like I remember like who goes on a walk with a monk down Camden, you know, <laughs> it's like such a like incredible experience. Um, but yeah, just them being real about life and sharing their experience and, you know, what happened for them. And I know I remember there was a few of them that actually had really good job offers just before mm. um, they then you know, declined those, went into the the temple and became monks. And that really made me question, because like, when someone has really good opportunities, is has got everything in their hands that people are mainly chasing, like the good job, the lifestyle, the, you know, everything, all of that was in their hands. And I thought, wow, there's something different here then. Hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I secured like a, a job. Um, but over that last year, my real desire was just like, let me take this time out. Like, let me, let me travel or let me do something that, you know, I won't be able to do later on if I do start working. Um, and then at the manor, they have a scheme where you can go to India for three months. Um, you learn, you, you know, you can visit the different holy places there. You learn from some of their great teachers and then you come back to the manor. Um, and you can do, I think it was like four months of studying. And okay. also helping like do different services and um, different projects like that. So yeah, I thought, okay, this sounds like a great opportunity. I, I know the manner, I know the people. So like, I'm not skeptical that I'm going to turn up in like some random country and no one's going <laughs> to, yeah, there's not going to be like any bed or anything like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought, let me go for this. And uh, so I thought, let me take seven months out. Um, I had a, a small job that was, in the pipeline I deferred that they were fine with it and then yeah seven months later I just thought 
this was the most incredible experience. Um, I'm super grateful. I can't imagine like, you know, how rare it is to get this opportunity. Then I thought, let me take another year out, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately, so I was with one of my one of my closest friends. Um, his name's uh, Nikhil Padia. Hmm. So um, we went to university together. We were on the KC SOC team together. We then both decided, like, we're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go on sabbatical to India together. And I think originally he was planning to go somewhere else, like Vietnam or somewhere like that. Oh wow. I think one of either one of his friends pulled out or something anyway, some somehow um, it, it didn't go ahead. And he was like, yeah, let's just do sabbatical together. Um, let's just go to India. And I was just like, yeah, this is buzzing. Like I've got a friend now <laughs> rather than me going alone. Um, and then I remember both of us were sitting there after going to India, coming back to the manor, having done different projects, having done different services, studied the Gita. And we we're both sitting there like, what do we do now? Like, should we just leave or should we take another year? And we were both just buzzing that let's take another year. Um, wow. So yeah, we, we told, we told our parents, they were also like, huh? like this wasn't the plan, <laughs> but they were very, both of our parents were quite supportive actually in the end. Um, and then, yeah, somehow that one year went into two years, went into three years. We both decided then, yep, let's just go for it. We're going to become monks. Yeah. Um, we put on the orange cloth and, uh, wow. yeah, we were, we were going for it in life, shaving heads, everything. And it was the most exciting and like really energizing and enlivening aspect of our life. Like I, I know for both of us, we, we don't have any regrets, um, that we just went into the deep end there. Um, and then I think he lived there for about five or six years. And then I was about six or seven years. Um, wow. we were just living as monks, traveling the UK, traveling the world. Um, it was just incredible. Like, yeah, I can't imagine my life without that, that portion of it right now, because, you know, I got to, I was so fortunate. I got to travel with, um, my spiritual teacher to you know, to like South Africa, to New York, so, so many places where I could learn the culture, learn how things were going there. And you get so much inspiration. And then you're like, okay, the London is buzzing. And, you know, mm. we can just add in this little bit or this little bit. Um, and it was just such an incredible, really incredible experience that we both had. And somehow time just flew by. We, we didn't even notice it, to be honest. <laughs> that is so beautiful and honestly thank you for sharing that 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 is amazing so keeping all of this in mind Prabhu, you know you're a mathematician but you're also a monk yeah. and you know you're doing so many amazing things where do you think happiness comes in so what to you is happiness and we'll talk a little bit about eventually we'll talk a little bit about how to find the equation to that happiness yeah yeah but before we touch on that, we need to f sort of try and define what happiness is for, for our for our listeners. What would you say? <laughs> Whoops, it's not prepared for that. <laughs> um, I think happiness is something we're all chasing at the end of the day. We're doing so many different things, you know. We're trying out different things so that we can be happy. Yeah. But we feel like happiness. I think subconsciously we're like happiness is something that's really difficult to achieve. And that's why we go out of our ways and do 
in my opinion, sometimes the most absurd things to, you know, find that happiness. And yeah. it sort of rings a bell when somebody first, we were playing this really deep game called We're Not Really Strangers. And the question came up for me and it, and it was like, are you, what are you more afraid of, failure or success? And yeah. I said, I'm more afraid of success. They said, what, why? I said, because what if by chasing that success, I do end up getting it, but it's not what I was looking for. Yeah. Wow. You know? And that, you know, that has been something I've been scared of for a couple of years now, you know, yeah. and that's why I'm redeciding a lot of the different things that I'm doing in life. Wow. But, you know, our, our spiritual master says, um, spirituality and happiness is so simple, you might just miss it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think uh, that is so powerful. Like, why are we going out of our ways and doing some crazy things? to achieve that when actually the answer, in my opinion, is all within, Yeah, yeah. you know, and so um, that, that, that in itself is mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so what is happiness? I don't know how to put a formal definition to it, but it's that feeling of feeling love um, unconditionally. You know, yeah. your relationships are no longer transactional relationships. And I'm not talking just romantic. I'm talking friendships yeah, yeah. as well. You know, your, your relationships are no longer transactional. They're, they're in some sense pure, you know, and, and that happiness for me, at least comes from serving other people, standing up for other people. And, you know, I feel like there were two individuals in my life who gave me this amazing shift in my life that, you know, they, they sent me to the UK on a scholarship. And I thought, wow, I'm so lucky. And yes, I've done all the hard work, but wow, I'm so lucky as well. And I want to make sure that when I'm in their shoes, I want to give that to other people. And by mm -hmm. default, you know, even if you're doing the small things for people, whether you're giving money to charity without telling anybody, you're, you know, trying to feed homeless people or whatever you're doing, even in those small things, or even just, you know, talking to someone who maybe wants to talk to you and stuff like that, that is where my idea of happiness kicks in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, thank you for sharing that. It's super deep. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you said about actually success, and you're more scared of it because what if it doesn't turn out to be what you anticipated? And I've never really thought about it in that that sense. So, um, yeah, that's really very very deep. Um, yeah, I think with happiness, actually, like nowadays, like happiness is more like people are chasing things and just thinking like happiness is like quick pleasure or like relief mm. from suffering um and really when you look at spirituality or like the deeper philosophy of happiness that's so far from the reality like just being just having no suffering in life or just mm. having like a flickering like good taste in the mouth from a sweet or something like that it's not really like deep happiness or anything like that okay it gives you a, a flickering of happiness but there's a lot more to it i think um <clears throat> and so in our in our philosophy in sanskrit in the ancient language of sanskrit the word that is used is ananda um mm. and ananda actually is is so deep it actually just means bliss um and this is like, you know, this is way more than what we understand in this day and age of what happiness is. Like, as soon as you hear the word bliss, like, it's just got that 
the word has just got mm. that energy, that enthusiasm, that excitement. Um, and it just, you know, when you hear it, it brings you like automatic joy, isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just like a, a much deeper element, a much deeper state <clears throat> than just um, what sometimes we, we think that happiness is. And I think um, when looking at like this element of ananda or bliss, there's many different elements that need to be there for us to feel like genuine internal happiness. Um, and a lot of them, I think you were, you were covering as well um, when you were answering as well, like it's very much centered around having those pure relationships um, because at the end of the day, like we're all kind of naturally seeking like ways to be happy or ways to be blissful. And very quickly, all of us in this world, through experiences, we understand that suffering isn't something natural to us, you know? We're not mm. made to always feel like we're suffering. We're made to feel like, you know, we always want to experience love and purity um, and things like that. So I think one aspect of that love, um, sorry, that happiness or that bliss is to be able to express love to others. That's one side of the coin. And the other side is also to be able to gain love from others. So giving it and also getting it back. Um, I think another aspect of just a very basic aspect of um, happiness is also having a balance in life. Because hmm. when we when we feel out of balance in our life, and that there's many different areas, and it's very personal what means balance to each person. But when we don't have a balance in life, you could have the loving relationships, you could have friendships, you could have everything around you that should be equating towards happiness or bliss, but you yourself internally feel out of balance, you know? Mm. Um, and you just feel unsettled. Um, so I think, yeah, so I think having a balance in life, having good relationships and being able to express love and receive love, um, that will, that will should give you um, ananda, it should give you bliss because it's more of an internal thing. It's more of a deeper thing than just having like, you know, the newest Mercedes Benz or, you know, a five bed house or whatever it might be. <laughs> I, I've also felt that, like I've also many times perceived that that's what I want to achieve in life. That's mm. what I want to, you know, strive for. Mm. And then you kind of like, you know, you get certain experiences where you get a glimpse of what that could be like. And you're like, actually, just from even from the glimpse, I'm not that happy. So like, maybe it's something deeper. <laughs> you know, um, I'll just share something small. So in, in one of these podcasts, um, we were talking about mindset. Yeah. Um, and there's this book called The Secret, and it's called The Secret Law of Attraction. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I have not. Yeah. Um, admittedly, I've not read it, but yeah, I've heard it. Basically, the, the, the summary is that your thoughts will be manifested. Hmm. You know, obviously, you have to work for it, but your thoughts will be manifested. But that means both in a positive and a negative sense. So if you're continuously operating in a scarcity mindset, no matter what you have, you will start losing it. Uh. And in an abundant mindset, you feel complete already, or you at least you know, you work your way through it. But once you start feeling that completeness, more things will just start coming to you. 
And sometimes I used to think that's contradictory of what we're learning in spirituality because like, we don't need material things to be happy. But then during the Gita Life course by Sutta Prabhu, he said, you know, people think spiritualists don't own anything, but actually spiritualists are not owned by anything. And uh, I mean, he's just dropping these legendary quotes every two lines. It's hard to keep up sometimes, <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, it's um, it's that default mindset of gratitude that you can be in that will automatically start getting you more and more. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about things in general. So when we were talking about pure relationships, it's sometimes also that we feel like we want a certain thing, but deep down, we're not yet ready to receive it. Yeah, yeah. That's so fair. for example, and I think this happens a lot in relation in romantic relationships where you know, a guy saying, oh, I want a girl like this. And the girl is saying, I want a guy like that. And then actually they might be standing right in front of each other, but they're not ready to accept each other yet. Yeah. And when we talked about momentary, momentary pleasures, you know, you and I both being in some way scientists and mathematicians, when I plot a graph in my head, when it comes to things like short-term gratification, it sort of goes like this. So we get a spike and then it's a net negative. Yeah, you know, whereas things that are more sustained, the sustained happiness obviously will take longer to achieve. But that's the trick. It's sustained. Yeah. And there's this one video that titled the graph that changed my life. If you guys are watching on YouTube, I'll put a link down in the description, but search it on search it on YouTube, the graph that changed my life. And it's basically saying short term gratification is initially a bump positive but it actually ends up going net negative. Mm. Whereas, and this can include, you know, things like eating a donut. This is a bad example, yeah. but yeah. eating a donut will give you that the first bite you take is, wow. Oh, wow, I feel <laughs> so good about it. But the more you eat it, and you, if you continually keep doing that, you're not going to be feeling so great. And yeah. what is the net effect that that donut has on your body? It's possibly probably negative, you know, and I'm not saying guys don't go and eat donuts. I mean, I literally had a pizza yesterday, yeah. but the idea is with the, with the sustained, um, um, long-term gratification, it's like reading a book in the moment. You might not be happy reading the book, but that book will give you so much knowledge given that it's a good book. Um, similarly going to the gym or in our case as spiritual people, meditation you know in the moment when we're meditating we're like oh this is really boring yeah but the compounded effect all of these things have bit by bit and by bit it's not even a linear positive it becomes an exponential yeah yeah positive and you know since our our topic was equation of happiness i just thought i'd share that no yeah that's it's so relevant actually that's um mm. yeah a really good way to put it actually really really good um yeah, I remember many experiences like like when I was young, I never read the first book I read. I was 17 years old. Um, not that I hadn't read before that, but like I'd never completed a full book. And then my the first book I read, I think, was um, The Scientific Basis of Krishna Consciousness or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, OK, it's something scientific, you know, so let me let me just like at least read it. And as mm. soon as I read that, I thought, oh, my God, this is life changing. Like, I never really understood that science and spirituality could go hand in hand. 
I always thought there were certain contradictions just so just because, you know, in modern times, like the scientists are more, you know, against religion or God or anything like that. But there's mm. a lot of bases and that they, you know, they do go hand in hand and many spiritual practices and religious practices actually have a scientific process behind them. Um, and that really sparked things off for me. Um, but until then, like I hated reading and I found it a chore and like, even after that, like, it's not that just from then it clicked for me. It was just like, yeah, it's really like I had to push myself to read. And it was really like a, a jarring kind of chore. And now I just can't stop reading. Like I've got, wow. I've got like about four bookshelves that are like huge and I've got way too many books. For my... <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that because I'm still in the, I'm still in the headspace that reading is a chore. So, and I'd never read a, my, my first book completed. I read when I was 21. Okay. So that gives me hope. So yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So just to sort of conclude things off, I want to ask, you know, the equation, can you just tell us the equation again? Yeah, yeah. So um, the equation that I kind of put into place, <laughs> how I kind of wrote it down was just, um, so Ananda, which is A, equals B, which is balance in life, plus R, which is relationships in life. Um, and that is a whole different topic by we can expand on that um plus l squared and l squared means giving love to others and wow. also receiving love from others because i think love is one of those things or genuine like selflessness is one of those things that is very reciprocal um or mm. that you're also sharing it to others not that every single person will express a loving relationship back to you, not that everyone will be selfless back to you. But just to give like, um, some perspective, like, you know, somehow or another, love or internal strength will come back to you. Well, it may not be like a physical person that just kind of like, comes and gives you like a massive hug or, you know, a zoom appreciation or whatever it may be. Um, but internally, because you've done something extremely selfless and loving to others, then it, it does come back to you. And it may be through the form of internal strength, resilience, internal satisfaction, um, deeper, deeper kind of elements that are not so physically visible. So yeah, it's in the, in the subtle side of our bodies, isn't it? The energies <laughs> yeah. and everything. You know, it's something that I've said in the previous episodes as well for everyone listening. Um, your association matters so much. And um, yeah. and I'm not just talking from a spiritual perspective. You know, I mean, there are quotes out there that say um, the five people you spend your most time with, you know, something along those lines. And um, I'll just share this really embarrassing thing that I started. It was not embarrassing, actually, but initially did feel embarrassing. Thing that I did uh, at the start of my third year, um, right after I joined Casey Sock. When I started finding people I got good vibes from, you know, you sort of develop this, oh, I really want to be friends with this person, but you have no idea how to approach them. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just don't know what to do about it. And what I started doing was I would just approach the person either on text or in person. I'd say, hey, I think you're really cool. Do you want to have a talk sometime? You know, just a nice chit chat. Yeah. Um, 
and be like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then I, you know, you went out and I think uh, this one guy and I, we, we started talking and we really hit it. And I was like, wow, I do, uh, this is really nice. Let's do it again. He's like, yeah, for sure. And now we're like really close friends, you know? Yeah. And I started doing this with every single person I'm really close to right now. That's how it started. Wow. Even with you, Shesha Prabhu, like when, yeah, yeah. Um, when you were uh, doing the talks and I was emceeing, I said, oh, I really want to be friends with him, but I don't know how to approach it. <laughs> and, um, but see, I think, you know, at the time it feels embarrassing and you're not quite sure what's going to happen. But just think about this. What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. They just find you awkward and weird, but you already know that, yeah. um, you know, and what's the best thing that could happen? You form a genuinely amazing relationship with someone. And to me, yeah. when I started doing that, my life opened up so much more. Wow. You know, you learn so much from everybody, regardless of their age, regardless of, you know, what they're doing in life. There's so much to learn from everybody. Yeah. Um, and that's why this podcast is called the experience podcast. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So thank you so much for sharing everything, Shesha Prabhu. As a final note, what can our listeners do to achieve happiness in the smaller things? Mm. Wow, that's a very, very deep, uh, very deep um, question. I think uh, a lot of people are chasing happiness, but mm. really finding happiness in the smaller things um, is really having a refined intention. So if you yourself can just have that intention of like, okay, let me do this for someone else as a service, or let me do this as an offering to someone else, um, then keeping that intention as well, because initially having it is good, making sure it kind of, you know, keeps that momentum whilst you're doing that activity or whilst you're doing something. Mm. Um, for example, like even if you're like, okay, you don't like going to the grocery store or something like that, but you know, let me do this so that it, you know, it's, it's nice for my mother or for my family or my friend or something like that. And just keeping that very pure intention because you'll see that, you know, when we were kids, we, we just had like this side of us that's so innocent and vulnerable, but didn't care, didn't have fears. It just wanted to express love to others, you know? Yeah. And um, keeping that intention, keeping that loving intention throughout any of our normal activities, you would like, don't just follow, don't just, um, you know, agree because it's what I'm saying. Really try it out in everyone's life. Like try it out in your own life for the next like week or so. Whatever your main tasks are or duties are, think whilst you're doing that, who are you helping? Who are you really serving? Who are you really trying to contribute to? And keep mm. it as pure as possible of an intention, um, pure intention as possible as a service to that person. And you'll see that naturally throughout those tasks, those activities, because of that intention, you'll feel more energized. You'll feel so much more strength. Um, mm. So yeah, I think that's an internal deep thing that many people can just try out, isn't it? Amazing. No, I, I, I fully agree with you. And <laughs> initially, even if you feel like you're not being selfless, it's okay. Just try it. 
you yeah. know and once you get that sort of i'm going to quote the higher taste in the sense you're going to keep wanting to do it more and then step by step it's sort of like a ladder at least that's how it happened to me you know i started off with doing good things for people because they'd say thank you and i'd feel good about it but actually now whether they say thank you or not i don't really mind doesn't matter yeah you know um i'm not saying i'm perfect but it's it's a good step in in the right direction so try it out for sure and I, it will honestly do wonders for you I think we need to do an entire separate podcast on growth mindset and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I think it'll be so amazing. <laughs> but thank you so much, Shesha Prabhu, for coming on this podcast. It's been an honor. Yeah, and, thank uh, you so much. It's, it's so great that you do this, actually, because everyone has different experiences. And just having that platform that you're getting people together to learn from each other, for to share um, based on their life experiences, it's like the most valuable thing that we can actually mm -hmm. we can have. Um, all of us are seeking to learn. All of us are seeking guidance. Um, sometimes we feel very vulnerable because we don't know where to turn. But having a platform like this, I mean, it's incredible that you're putting this together. So really looking forward to hearing many of the podcasts. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shesha Prabhu. Well, good news is we've got Sutapa Prabhu um, oh, on it as well. Uh, we're recording on Thursday and we've got Nanda Prabhu as well. Um, and uh, that that is yet to be decided, but yeah. Great. It's going to be amazing. So thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, hopefully we'll catch you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We really hope you learned something new. Before we end, let's take another moment to reflect on the word happiness. After this, think about what changed between your feelings before and after the episode. This podcast was created so we can listen to all our stories and learn from each other because there's so much that we all experience in our individual journeys. Being able to have even a small glimpse of someone's journey can add so much perspective to our lives, help us grow together and be able to better understand ourselves and each other. Despite all our differences, there's so much more that we have in common. This is a listener-supported podcast, so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. The different subscriptions can be found on my Patreon page, which will be linked in the description. This was recorded during COVID times with little to no professional equipment, so the quality may sometimes vary. We apologize for this inconvenience, but despite that, we hope you were able to connect with the message of this episode. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week. Take care.